Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. I'm your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories and give you a behind-the-scenes look at the life of a technology reporter. We'll learn about the person behind the byline and get their thoughts on the top trending stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. So hey everyone, this is Christine Blake. Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. On today's show, we're talking to Maria Korolov, a freelance tech reporter. Um, she contributes for a number of publications that she'll talk to us about today. Maria, we're excited to have you on the show and can't wait to get to know a little bit more about you. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. So we were just talking about this a little bit ago, but so tell us exactly what your title is and where you contribute. I'm a freelance technology writer specializing in artificial intelligence and cybersecurity. I primarily write for IDG publications such as CSO and CIO Magazine, and I used to work for Computer World, and I've written for PC World and Network World and um, other publications in that IDG kind of arena. And I also occasionally write for other publications in finance, banking, um, data centers, um, but always focusing on technology mm-hmm. um, and usually focusing on cybersecurity or other emerging technologies. Okay. So you are like all over the map, all, a whole bunch of different publications. So you've been covering emerging technology. Is it Has it been 20 years, I think I read? Yeah. I was at Computer World as a staffer during a dot-com boom. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that really dates me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. So tell us a little bit about, about what um, got you into journalism and more specifically tech and cyber. Okay, so uh, first of all, I love computers. My first uh, job when I was 14 was computer programming and mainframe uh, system uh, kind of upkeep, mostly vacuuming. Because back then you had to vacuum mainframe drive, tape drives and doing backups and writing some educational software mm-hmm. for my school district. Um, and, uh, and I loved it. And then when I went to college, I originally started out in computer engineering, eventually went up in math. But um, I had a programming job that was in the basement of a building at the university during the winter. And it was just horrible. Later, I was diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder, so the horrible feeling was due to the fact that I had no sunlight exposure all two months, mm -hmm. but I attributed to the fact that I was sitting at a computer programming. So I quit computer programming and went into writing where you can run around outside reporting on things. Okay, so a little more flexibility. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, and I hate writing. Writing was my least favorite thing to do no in, way. in college. I hate writing research papers. I always put them off last minute, stay up all night writing them, you know, get lousy grades, because I just really hated, hated, no hated way. doing it. I hate writing deadlines. I hate writing the process, everything about it. So, I became a journalist. Because you uh, hate writing. <laughs> Yeah, I wrote for the local town paper. I worked for my college paper. My uh, first major job after leaving college was for the Chicago Tribune. I was reporting in um, on the suburban politics. 
and then I decided if I was going to be a writer, I was going to be like a Hemingway kind of writer. Okay. And um, I had nothing to write about because my <laughs> life up until then was college classes and mm-hmm. fire board meetings and various local legislative processes. So um, I decided to become a war correspondent. Okay. And skipped my last month's rent, went to Russia, <laughs> and was in Chechnya about a month later. Um, writing for the AP, UPI, Reuters, um, wow. the managing editor at the Moscow Trib for for a while. Um, then he, uh, then got pregnant, came home, and was looking around for something to do that would not have me get shot at. No, give me a flexible schedule, and I'm like, oh, I'll write about computers. So I went to Computer World. Natural fit. <laughs> and they rented an office for me here, like five miles away from my house, and which which is where I mean I'm still still in an office in downtown Belchtown, like a, mm-hmm. two buildings over from where I used to be 20 years ago. And um, in Massachusetts, right? In Massachusetts, mm-hmm. yeah. And I've been doing it ever since. So Amazing. now that my kids are out of the house. I'm like, I can do anything I want. I can go back to being a work correspondent, but I don't feel like being shot at again. No. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, huh, you know, this is okay. I'm having fun. Why mess with a good thing? Yeah. But, but I'm kind of tempted, you know, take some, I mean, I'll kind of listen in on some of the classes about artificial intelligence, and I have the statistics background, and I understand what they're saying, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should learn some Python, learn some R, you know. <laughs> You get get into a little bit of that. So all I do is I've been doing some database design for the stuff that I do, some PHP for websites, some Java, okay. you know, basic little little piddly things. You must have learned so much just like immersing yourself in, in the tech and cybersecurity industry. I know how to describe pretty much anything. Okay. I know how to do none of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's funny you say that. So since you write, you know, primarily for, you know, IDG, Data Center Knowledge, a couple other publications, so what are the types of stories? Um, you also mentioned artificial intelligence. What are the, the types of stories that you typically cover? And what's your process in terms of, you know, getting sources, learning about the topic, and then and then executing on it? Okay. So um, my favorite kind of reporting is deadline reporting, breaking news. I like having a story assigned in the morning, and having like or having two stories aside in the morning and writing them all both up at the end of the day. Um, I used to do a little bit, bit of that for CSO a couple of years ago, but pretty much these days all I do is feature articles, mm-hmm. which is like research papers, the thing that I hate writing the most. <laughs> and all I do is research papers. I get about two weeks to two months lead time on a story, and depending on what kind of article it is, if it's something I've covered before, I just contact the sources I already know and say, mm-hmm. hey, I've been doing a story on this. Got anybody to talk to me before the deadline? If it's a topic I know kind of generally about and I know who the PR people, who the vague companies are in the space, I'll contact them. Um, if it's something I know nothing about, I'll Google it, mm-hmm. see who the big experts are, what the big trends are in it. Um, get started that way and contact those people. Like the, yesterday, for example, I filed a story on AI and manufacturing. 
and I haven't written about the manufacturing industry for about 10 years now. So this oh, is all wow. brand new to me. So I Googled AI in manufacturing, who's doing stuff, okay, GE sure. doing stuff, go to their website, look up their PR contacts, email them. Do you, got, do you guys have anyone to talk to me about for this story? Then I sent them a link to my previous stories about AI and stuff. So they're like, okay, you know, she's a real person. We could talk to her. <laughs> um, sometimes, um, um, I mean, I'll just send a, a note to a random number of PR people saying that I've got these assignments coming up. Do you have anybody for me? Uh, this is especially useful for publications that don't mind vendor sources. Right. The CSO mm-hmm. doesn't mind vendor sources because customers are so hard to get to talk to on the right oh, yeah. of cybersecurity. Absolutely. And they're happy with vendors. Data center knowledge is happy with vendors. Uh, so I'm perfectly happy having an all-vendor-driven story. And those things are so easy to report because vendors want to talk to technology publications. Uh, oh, yeah. Customers, definitely. not so much. What's in it for them? Not much, you know. Yeah. And they don't want to give away their, uh, you know, their security. <laughs> they definitely don't want to get, give away any kind of security secrets. Um, but also, a lot of these topics I write about are politically sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, are we replacing humans with robots? You know, do you really want to go on the record about this? You know? Yeah. So, um, so people can be a little bit hard to find. And also, there's no personal benefit often for people to talk to uh, about what they do. Um, they're right. not selling anything. They're doing their jobs. So yeah, that's true. Talk. Yeah. So, so it's a little harder to to get people on the line, um, but not that hard. So, um, especially because when I've been doing it for a while, so it gets kind of easier. And yeah. I ask them okay. the same kind of questions. You know, what what's the new technology? What benefits does it offer? Or what risks does it have? What are the obstacles to adoption? And I mean, I ask those same three questions like to everyone, and that usually fills up a half-hour interview, and I'm done. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's interesting. So, um, you know, I always ask everyone that comes on the show this question, and, you know, I know you're covering a lot of the AI stuff. There's a lot on, on there was a lot on GDPR, still is, election mm-hmm. security. What do you think is going to be, like, one of the biggest headlines when the year closes out? What will be the biggest headline of the year? Elections. Elections. Well, mm-hmm. in the United States, it's going to be the elections. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and there's a cybersecurity aspect to this, how the elections being hacked. Um, uh, the compliance stuff, mostly, you had the California, you had GDPR. Um, I don't see any big compliance things coming down this fall. Uh, elections is, is really the big thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so... Are there, you know, you mentioned that you write for a lot of different uh, different publications depending on, on what's going on, but what led you to the freelance reporting route, you know, as opposed to just writing for one publication? Uh, well, I started out in daily newspapers and wire services, so I'm really, really good at tight deadlines. In fact, I hate writing so much that having an editor screaming at me that I got an hour to do this. It's really, really nice. You work really better like under that. pressure. <laughs> I really, really like that. I, I love that. I have to agonize over the story. I just write the first thing that comes in and file it, and they're happy. Uh, and when you do it, like, over and over and over again, you get decent with the first draft. And you can just file it. You don't have to worry about the whole writing process or anything. You just get it out. I really, really like that. Um, and so when I was working at, at um, a computer world, they kept assigning me features, and I kept wanting to do, like, breaking stuff. 
and they were weekly, so they would have this long cycle of, of things to do. And um, I would treat it like a, like a deadline report and write it up really quick and, like, organize it from a news story into a feature, but it was still very, very newsy, so they were kind of getting annoyed at that because it was still – it read like a wire service article. Mm-hmm. And then I would, I would have nothing to do. <laughs> you know, because I would, so I'm supposed to have like a whole week to do these two articles, and I do them in a day. In a day, wow, that's impressive. It, it's because that's that was like my training, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I would take these like long lunches and feel really, really guilty <laughs> about it, or over report, and you know, it feels stupid because I can't use most of the people in the story because back then it was still print, and you had like space constraints, and so um, I felt kind of guilty. My kids, and, and the, the schedule was still, like, super flexible. I mean, I, I worked in my own office here. I could do whatever I wanted to. But I kind of felt guilty about, like, abusing this flexibility. And, and my kids needed me. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go freelance again. Mm-hmm. And I went freelance, and my income increased. And I immediately had a whole bunch of work coming in, um, mostly about Wall Street stuff, uh, an editor from, secure, from um, Security Industry News which back then uh, was owned by a company that became Source Media that was bought by Thompson, uh, which became Thompson Reuters. Um, okay. And they have American Banker. They have Insurance mm-hmm. Network News. They have a, a group of financial publications that I was writing for, and I was their technology columnist. And all I was doing was feature stories. Um, but it was fun. Um, and um, I got paid based on the amount of work I did. So I didn't feel guilty about doing more or less work. Because okay. I got paid by the article. I wasn't wasting my boss's time, you know, by doing that. That's cool. And I also really, really like the fact that when you're on staff and somebody says, do you want to do this? Your initial reaction is, well, you know, I already have these things scheduled. and Try to weasel out of it. <laughs> Whereas when you're a freelance, you go, ka-ching, yes, I want to do that. Oh, yeah, I have definitely. I no idea what this is about, but yeah, I'll do I'll that. find out. Yeah. And so it's a much happier experience to get assignments as a freelance writer. And um um and I have no problem pitching articles. That's something I enjoy doing. Okay. Um I have no problem reaching out to new editors. That's also something I enjoy doing. I have a very, very high tolerance for risk because of the whole war reporting thing. Oh yeah, but Yeah. You know, after being shot at in war zones. Like, all the stuff that I do is super, super easy. It kind of puts things in perspective a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. When people complain to me about, like, you know, a typo in the store, I'm like, okay, sure, we'll fix it. No problem. Yeah, no worries. I journalists who are agonized about it. I'm like, who cares? Are they going to shoot you over it? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good perspective to have. Whoops. Sorry. Fix it. You know, done. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, it just gives you more flexibility and, you know, ability to control your schedule and the things you're interested in more, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, I will also like very much being in control of the topics that I cover mm-hmm. instead of having to get editors to, you know, give me a new beat or something. I just sure. give myself a new beat. Hey, I'm now doing artificial intelligence. All right, that's what I'm going to do now. Yeah, that's And cool. I, I very much like that as well. I bet. So what is the mo what would you say is one of the most interesting stories you've written recently in the past couple of months or so? Your one of your favorite stories maybe. Oh geez. 
it's all a blur. <laughs> or topic area. Is it artificial intelligence? Is it AI that's, you know, fascinating to you? Um, yeah. So, so AI for me definitely is interesting. Actually, the manufacturing story I was doing yesterday um, was, was really, really fascinating to me about how we're entering a new industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. And that for me is, is very interesting uh, how the entire uh, supply chain design process, manufacturing process, uh, marketing, all that stuff is being redone uh, around intelligence and the role uh, that people are going to play in this is going to change dramatically. Yeah. Uh, And that for me is very, very interesting. Um, uh, One thing that I don't write about that I would like to is that we, we, I write a lot about how to do this, what's okay. working, what isn't working. And uh, there's other people who are writing about uh, the, the disasters, what's going to happen when we have Skynet, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's going to happen with the, all the horrible things that might happen. But I haven't seen anyone too much writing about what happens if all this stuff works. What okay. will that do to us as a society? What will it do to our careers? We'll, how will industry change because industry changed a lot after the dot-com thing came in um how are things going to change with ai and all these other technologies that are coming online and 5g and iot and you know nanotech and everything Mm -hmm. else we're going to have a very big um uh kind of step function in human evolution that's happening starting to happen right now so it's a very exciting time to be covering this Oh, yeah. um, because what's going to happen um, is going to be like the internet times ten. Yeah. So. Um, so it's almost like taking the more optimistic view instead of everything's you know a risk or a threat or a disaster. Like what what's going to happen? Like how are we evolving you know technologically and security wise, and how is that going to change the way that we do things? Yeah, as a writer, we tend to focus on the risks and the downsides sure. because that's what people care about. If you're standing in a field, there's a tiger on one side and pretty flowers on the other, <laughs> you're going to look at, pay attention to the tiger first. Otherwise, sure. you will not pass down your genes to the next otherwise generation. You'll, otherwise, you'll get so eaten by the tiger. We kind of evolve to focus on the risks first. And, and as journalists, we wind up writing about the risks first because that's what people care about the most. Yeah. Um, but there's a a kind of a risk to only focusing on the risks too. That's true. I like that. I actually really like that. I like that perspective. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely down to hear your more optimistic story. I'm excited to hopefully see that happen one day. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to start it like a, a blog or something about it. I like maybe it. I really like it. I like uh, it. Maybe do a book, talk to a whole bunch of, of like big thinkers in various industries and ask them what happens if it goes right. Yeah. How will your industry change? Uh, how will you know societies be changed as a result? Um, you know, are we doing enough to prepare for this? Mm-hmm. Because we're going to have to adjust the way we do a lot of things. Yeah. Are we prepared for the challenges? Are we prepared for the opportunities? So I might do that too. I'm, I have free time now in my hands for the first time yeah. in ages. So it's like that's a possibility. Yeah, especially if you're interested in, in covering that. So, uh, speaking of uh, books, you've written a book before, is that right? Uh, Changing China. Okay, so uh, I wrote a journalist guide to the Geneva Conventions for this okay. professional journalist when I came back from uh, from Russia. 
um, I edited uh, The Changing China, um, I, and I contributed a chapter to it. Okay. Um, I edited another book about China for the guy who ran KFC in China, which was a very cool book. The guy who um, ran, okay, interesting. Uh, what else? I think I edited a couple of textbooks when I was in uh, in college. Um, um, and I've contributed chapters to other books, like okay. technology books about financial services and stock exchanges and variety of things like so that. So writing a book would not be a foreign, or contributing to a book would not be a foreign concept to you at all. No, no. <laughs> That's interesting. Cool. Um, let's see. And then we have a couple other questions. We always like to, um, you know, I know we've had a, a very candid personal conversation, but just, you know, in terms of other things, um, what is your, um, you know, what advice would you give to a PR professional trying to pitch you a story? Um, I guess uh, know what I need. So I need trends. Mm-hmm. In order to have a trend, I need to have some kind of validation of the trend, like um, analyst research reports, surveys. Sure, like third party. External. Mm-hmm. It could be internal, like everyone switching to ESP-based headsets. What cybersecurity challenges does this pose? Uh, you know, um, people listening to brainwaves. And then, so I would need some kind of surveys about companies doing this. I would need some, maybe some market projections. Mm-hmm. Um, I need customers for, for uh, any article. If I have actual users who are willing to talk about it, that's like the heart of the story. It's a mandatory part of the story for CIO Magazine. Okay, it's good to know. It's a very definite plus for CSO. And for CSO, these people can speak without their names and companies being mentioned in the article. I will just say anonymously. IT mm-hmm. executive at a Fortune 500 firm. Sure. Because we understand that cybersecurity, they don't want to talk on the record. Um, and then I would need like more than one vendor doing this. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So if a vendor comes to me saying this is like we're the first ones doing it, I have to pitch it as this is the next thing kind of article so that it's not this is one vendor doing something. And then if it's the next thing, I need to talk to multiple vendors who might be getting into this even if they're not doing it yet or customers who say they do want this in the future or analysts who are saying, yes, this is coming. Uh, I do not do any more, any breaking news. I'd like to, but I don't. Um, sure. I don't do news analysis or news reaction. I don't do any kind of personnel changes, partnerships, none of that stuff. Sure. But sometimes it's useful in background. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like getting surveys, research, um, those kind of uh, state of the firewall kind of reports. Um, I do like those. Um, I set them up. I use them in the feature stories that I write. Okay. And that's really helpful to hear all that. That's perfect. Um, cool. No, Maria, thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast today. Uh, it's been really insightful and really informative to have you on, and we always enjoy talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for having of me. Of course. This has been fun. I love talking generally. I have to listen. <laughs> That's Getting true. Getting opportunity to talk is very nice and refreshing. We get to do a role reversal. So. <laughs> yeah, my, my family and friends do not want to hear about this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep, we understand. So we're always open to hear about it. So anytime you want to chat. (laughs) Well, um, thanks again for joining us and for sharing all this information. And uh, for everyone listening, stay tuned for next 
um, for updates on our next podcast episode and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. Thank you.